Hi, I'm Carissa Schlott. And I am Sharice Schlott. Welcome to Between Between Us, a podcast that highlights our relationship as sisters, providing a safe space to share our stories. These conversations highlight unity and connection, the through lines that connect all of us as human beings. Before we dive in, we would like to highlight that the views expressed in each episode are a product of our own research and experiences. Our opinions are not representative of any professional affiliations we may have. All right, welcome back, betweeners. (laughs) Betweeners? Is this us trying to come up with like a name for our podcast listeners, like the armchairians? Yeah, the armchairies, but betweeners, betweenies? Weenies? Weenies? I thought us or something like that could sound like users. That's not very good. No. We're open to suggestions. It's nearing the end of summer. We've taken a few weeks off from recording podcasts. I think partly just because it's been such a beautiful, sunny summer. We've been enjoying lots of time outside at the beach, time together. Yep, that's right. And also because I feel like I have been in a seed phase. If you think of, I guess, humans kind of like seasons where we we all go through a a seed and a sprout and a bloom and a shed (laughs) phase or cycle. I feel like I've been in a seed phase during the summer months. Mm-hmm. I think I've been in a seed fade for many years. <laughs> a seed phase, sorry, for many years. <laughs> kind of like my turtle. I just never leave it. The blossoming doesn't happen. Maybe you're growing like a giant oak tree or something. True. Or maybe my roots just keep growing further into the darkness. That's probably it. So the quote that we found for this episode is, Whatever pain you can't get rid of, make it your creative offering. By Susan Cain. Yes, I listened slash read her book this summer, Bittersweet. It was excellent. I recommend it. What was your biggest takeaway from it? Uh, It just confirmed all my biases. That life is really about embracing the bitter to get to the sweet. Ooh. Yes. It's it's very dualistic and then and then the non-dual meaning in between that is it's like embracing both aspects. But yeah, she's very very much advocating for embracing the difficulties in life. Almost like that we should expect them as a part of life, hmm. as an inherent part of our existence. Cool. I did a thing that I haven't done for a very long time, something that my therapist had recommended I do, which was to read a book just for fun. Oh, what's that? (laughs) I.e. a book that's not like derived from some semblance of trying to learn something new or advanced by leadership skills or whatever. So I read Where the Crawdads Sing. Uh, which also happens to be out in movie theaters right now. Reese Witherspoon produced it. Did a really great job, I thought, of the movie. So I went to the theater with a friend of mine and about 170-year-old women. (laughs) Really? (laughs) Yeah. Oh. We really brought down the age bracket average. It was like the AIDS experience. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Although Krissa was listening to it, it on audiobook when she was at my house, and I have to say the narration was a miss. For, for my liking. <laughs> but the content of the story was really beautiful. Yes. It yes. almost had the environment, like the, the nature of the marsh, as a second primary character, I would say, to the main character. Uh, and there was lots of deeper meanings, I think, behind it as well. Like it was sort of a like murder mystery, sort of a love story. But the marsh and the, yeah, I guess sort of that time period was a big character, a big part of the story. Isn't that so true? This is actually, this book is a metaphor for both you and I. 
Because I heard the narration, and I was like, nope, can't do it. And you're like, oh, I can see beyond the narration. <laughs> I can still glean the meaning and the message of this and the beauty. And I was just hard no. <laughs> so true. <laughs> yes. So we should fill our listeners in. It's August. We just came back from the beach. Charisse has a beautiful new backdrop for our podcast, which I'll post a picture of it online. But mm-hmm. tell us the story about this sort of geisha Asian backdrop that you found. So it is a room divider and it came from an estate sale of a house, a house that was of oriental ownership. And they had so many amazing Asian antiques and I had to really, really control myself (laughs) because I wanted a lot of things. You wanted to spend all of your monies on all of the cool Asian things. Yeah. So this, it is just a beautiful room divider it is a fourfold. It's embossed with gold paint. I don't know if it's real gold. Like we said, it, we'll have a picture of it. But yes, dad was there with me. I found it at one of my antique stores I visit regularly. And we loaded it up in his vehicle and I was very happy. And they even gave me a deal. So how could you pass? <laughs> <laughs> and we have a new podcast couch, which is yes. very comfy and cozy. Yep. Uh, much like our personalities, I'm sitting under a blanket in August. Sure, <laughs> the sweating to death. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and I have new art. So yeah, new podcast experience, new room. Yeah, same room, new face. <laughs> same room <laughs> with some upgrades. Yes. How about that? Yes, that's good. How about that? <laughs> How about that? <laughs> As you can tell, we're a little rusty because we took, well, it wasn't that long, but it felt like long. Yeah. How long do you think we took off? Maybe a month? A month, probably, yeah. yeah. What uh, What's new with you? What has been happening in your world? What has been happening in my world? Well, the only thing new is that I got accepted into a master's program that I applied to. It happened very quickly, actually. I was going to start in January, but I got fast-tracked to start in September. So, surprise, I start that in probably when this is out. (laughs) Yep. I will be starting that. Yes. So exciting. I'm so happy for you. It's exciting. Equal parts exciting and equal parts terrifying because school has been... Any sort of academics for me does not have a limit with how much time and energy you can invest in it. I.e. you give all of yourself to your schooling? Yes. So it's not the best environment for people with perfectionistic tendencies. We'll we'll just put it that way. (laughs) And so I'm hoping that I'm coming into it at enough of a grounded, connected, healed space that when it all derails, I'm not going to be that bad. Like you said, you've been growing some real deep roots. Yes. Your seed is super securely planted. Yes. It's ready. Oh, yeah. So what about you, Krissa? What's been new for you? <laughs> What's, What's been, been happening? happening? Well, I chose the word freedom hmm. for 2022. And so with that word choices come some interesting lessons in letting go. And I think I've had a sort of deeper layer of, of healing that I've been going through. And, and just observing life happening or observing things happen, observing my reaction to circumstances happening in my life with, for the first time, a non-judgmental, non-story building lens, just like kind of paying attention and getting curious as why people do what they do and when things happen, how it makes me feel and whatever. So I've just been in a, yeah, kind of a playful state. However, that didn't come from nothing or didn't come without struggle. I realized as a part of 
my sort of like need to control, my always needing to be like hustling and (laughs) grasping for whatever's next. For the first time in my professional life, I don't have the yellow brick road already painted out for me. I don't have the next prong on the ladder already planned out. And I couldn't figure out why I was feeling so uncomfortable with that, why I couldn't just be present and enjoy the experience of the role that I'm currently in without needing to have certainty around the direction. And I realized for me, it's because work for a long time has been some form of an addiction for me. It's where I've been able to pour a lot of myself and busy myself and again, like cling and control and (laughs) aspire and reach for. And so with the intention of the word freedom, almost like redefining success as how happy I am or like what my state of peace is, it's meant that I've had to look at things differently. So for the first time in my life, I have no idea where I'm going and I'm happy as hell. Yeah. Welcome to my world. (laughs) (laughs) And I have to say how that came to fruition too is obviously Chris and I talk a lot and we're the sounding board for one another. And she was messaging me one day when she was in her panic about her future. (laughs) And I found myself getting instantly annoyed And thinking, like, why is she like this? I'm not like that. And then I had a therapy session, and I found out I'm exactly the same way. (laughs) It just shows up differently, perhaps, or my grasping is in different ways. But what came out of that therapy session is part of the grasping at the self-sufficiency, the independence of, mm. of knowing what's next and knowing what's in your future that's, that's built in a bit from a trauma response, especially when it was the thing that got you out of a situation. Yeah. And so it's difficult to realize that that doesn't have to apply now or that doesn't have to be the narrative now because it's quite subconscious and it's in, in the body because that was what we had to cling to to get out of whatever said situation was yeah so interesting and isn't it cool how like the things that often like trigger or aggravate us in others are often some part of ourselves that we had just been neglecting or we don't want to see or that we didn't want to deal with or whatever yes and I even had things on the horizon like my master's was coming up and this was what maybe July yeah yeah this is probably July and I, I remember saying to my therapist, like, it's coming, but I just feel like it's not soon enough. I'm just waiting. <laughs> and she was like, oh, I find it interesting that here you have some time to just exist, to just settle into something, and it's really difficult and painful for you. And I was like, oh, that, that was the moment of realization. Yeah. Yeah. There's like, oh. Oh, right. <laughs> we are from the same cloth. Yes. And you're right. And and not to judge it, like it's that it's just, it was how we coped or survived at one time in our life. And now we're trying to do things differently or trying to challenge that little voice that wants us to hurry things along. Yes, exactly. Oh, I guess something else that did happen that I we can share is Chris has been on this journey with me. So many months ago, she... We decided when we were together, she was going to reach out to a matchmaker. For some reason, it was a back and forth conversation and just logistically wasn't working out. Oh, COVID. That was why. COVID was a thing. Uh, Yes. Yes. So we were waiting. And then I got a call shortly after stampede season and I just decided to try the services. And so that was an experience. Uh, Okay. This is probably going to be the best story of the podcast. Tell us how the experience went. Well... At first, I thought nothing of it, so I had to drive into quite a quite a while. It was about an hour drive to the person's business slash house I had to go to, 
and it seemed all fine and dandy. But I was a little bit surprised, I suppose, when I I walked in, and not to be ageist or anything, but this person was a lot older than I was expecting, uh, which is fine. Very experienced, has done this for 40 years. And so I sat down. It was very not emotional, (laughs) very direct. It was honestly, it was just like going to a job interview in some respects. So right as soon as I sat down, this person said, oh, we know you all want somebody that's like kind and blah dee da dee da but, but what are you interested in? And so it was basically just like an hour of checklist, a checklist of what I'm interested in. Right. Yes. And so, and it was, it was all kind of a fast paced, very strange situation. And then after we went through the checklist, then I had to sign my life away. And, and it, because it's happening so quickly, you don't really get the time to sit and think like, oh, how do I feel about this? And I'm just hearing about some of the rules after I'm signing this as well. So the rules where you get 10 matches, but you only get one match at a time. And and because it's of a generation that maybe was very different from this generation, I would definitely be walking into these completely blind. No picture of this person. The only description I get are the their other list of job interview questions, which was their interests. And... So there was a few specifications I had about things that might not work for me. And unfortunately, I got a call and the person that they had suggested for me was probably on, checked a lot of the things that might not work for me. (laughs) (laughs) And so I started to instantly panic because I'm like, oh my gosh. And one of the rules is that they call you and you set up a coffee date. So you can't communicate beforehand. Um, Texting is also not allowed because of the miscommunication that can happen through texting. And I instantly just began to panic. (laughs) (laughs) Like no part of me wants to do this. And then I'm freaking out because I'm feeling like how within an hour, how are they gauging? What would be a good fit for me? And yes, it was just panic. And then Krista got a call. Yeah. Well, and I could just tell like it just, you didn't, everything about it made you not feel safe. Like there Mm -hmm. was not enough not enough comfort with respect to not only who you might be meeting, but also the process. trust in the process and, yeah. and the people who had been matchmaking for you. So Yes. And I, and I think the part that felt uncomfortable and I did express my discomfort to them and it was not well received. Yeah. Which just validates that was not the right process or people for you. Yes. It was good. It was a good process in the sense that I came to this point where I said, okay, rather than self-betraying and doing this thing, and then this is part of what can be really confusing about any sort of like complex trauma is because fear is an often occurrence. And so it's kind of deciphering, is this fear mm-hmm. I can push through or is this fear that's saying, no, listen. Right, and and which is your like intuition voice that y- yes. you know to trust and yes. which is the ones that you can push against. Exactly. Yeah. And so just given the nature of the response I was having to even just the thought of like phoning this person back or even anybody for that matter, I was in a state of panic. So I thought, okay, no, I think this is bigger than just a base fear. And then as I got to think about it, and this was the next day for after our interview. And so as I thought about it a little more, I, I realized, no, I'm just not comfortable because it doesn't feel like perhaps my best interests are at heart and did that really short session capture who I was? Mm-hmm. And did they see it? I don't, like, I didn't felt seen. Yeah. Yes. Perhaps the lesson is if someone owns a fax machine and a flower couch, they they may not be super hip to 
Yes, <laughs> dating trends. <laughs> we are in trade dating trends in or, or, 2022. Yes, and and just from a safety standpoint. And like I said, I don't think there's an, anything like inherently that they're doing that's unsafe. No, it was just, no. for me personally, that was just a little bit too, it was too blind yeah. to walk into. Yeah. Yeah, so anyways. Uh, so the, the matchmaking lasted uh, under a day and under one date, but... Yep. Made for a funny story. Yes. And you tried something different. So yeah. I feel like kudos to you for putting yourself out there and giving it a shot and also in and honoring yourself when you knew that it wasn't right. Yes. That's what I came to. And I, I was listening to a podcast that I think I'm pretty sure it was somebody that Glennon and, and Abby and sister had done. It was this differently abled person. And something they said kind of stuck with me, which isn't a language that I would normally use because it's Seems too positive psychology y. Mm. But they had said, like, this world or this, wherever they were living, this environment, this interaction, it wasn't worthy of me. And mm. and for the first time, I had that thought instead of it being like, what's wrong with me? I'm wrong. I'm not fitting into this. That's huge. Yeah. That's so big. Because that sat with me, what that person said. Because it's true. People have to earn my trust now. It's not just. Well, especially something like that where you're, it's a service. Like for the most part, I think I, I well, maybe not. Cause I used to just give my trust fully. Yeah. And then now I'm a little bit more, I'm, I'm a lot more some, cautious. Yeah. But there's, and there's some boundaries because yes. you're right. Not everybody gets access to you. Yes. And so that was good. It was a, it was a lesson in staying true to myself, deciphering the difference between, is this just fear? What level of fear is this? Or is this next level? It was next level. Yeah, next level. Yeah. Yeah, and this actually ties really nicely into one of the questions I wanted Chris and I to discuss. This was also from Susan Kane in her book, but she was asking us to think really deeply about what is your longing? What is your deepest longing? What is that thing in your life that has been maybe driving some of that grasping or has been kind of that deep wound with you? Yeah. And another way that Russell Brand says this is, what does your wanting want? Such a good question. And it kind of coincides with the deeper healing that I've been doing. So at the core for me, it is, I don't belong. Mm -hmm. And so what that does though is, so my deepest longing is not only that I belong, but that I think this is a part of my Libra needing to feel balanced is I want there to be an environment that is safe and where everyone belongs and everyone gets along. I like, <laughs> mm-hmm. So my longing is, is ultimately for connection, not only between me and others, but to see connection and community around me. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting though, because your longing, like given that that is your, been your longing, your wound, whatever, you've also been in environments, like it's just so interesting that it's always yeah. been in environments where you don't necessarily belong, but then you're, you're trying to create what you need. Yep. Well, maybe this is why also for the first time in my life, I am in an environment professionally. I'm in an environment in my home space where there's a lot of alignment mm-hmm. where I don't feel like I have to recreate the culture or or be that change maker. It, it's I'm not swimming upstream anymore. I'm in a nice I'm in a nice pond mm-hmm. <laughs> around other like-minded people. And so I have almost like that safety, I think, to be now doing that deeper work on yeah. finding that really within myself and also creating the bridge between not belonging and belonging, because as long as I have that limiting belief of I don't belong, I'm still creating space or or distance or separateness from others. And mm-hmm. 
what I'm starting to pay attention to is just how much we are all alike. Even if, as I'm stopped at a red light on the way to work in the mornings, I look out the window and see a homeless person that's just resting, leaning against a building, and I can not only feel their pain, but I can see our shared humanity. So that's what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to almost look for the ways that we're connected instead of the ways that we're different. Mm, Yeah, that makes sense. And funny enough, but my longing is the same. Hmm. It's like belonging, connection. It's home, though. It's like, where am I home? And there is that within myself now. Yep, same. But I'm still, there's still a big, big, big gaping hole that wants that externally. Yeah. Yeah. And there's really, honestly, there's nothing that could fill that. I know, because the reality is, as much as we do that work to feel whole within ourselves and to have that sense of home and belonging in ourselves, we are still, we all still do need to have connection with others, like to live in connection with others. Yeah. And that was part of, you know, the reason behind us starting this podcast as well was to have that shared sense of community and for for others who may not have felt like they belonged or that they had connection or community, that there were others that could see them and Mm -hmm. can hear them and are sending our love out to you, basically. Yeah. I'm just reflecting on myself Mm. at the moment. Like, where am I at with that Mm. situation? Or like, yeah, where are you with that? I don't know. It's almost like two because at least this is safe, even though it's painful, like being very isolated. Mm. And so in some ways, I'm very afraid to take the risk to let people in just because of the vast opportunity for hurt. And I know that has to come with any sort of yeah. relationship. So but I guess that's okay. Yeah. It's almost like I just had this visualization that you're building like walls of safety around your home and not like the Great Wall of China wall where yeah. nobody can get in, but you're just rebuilding that foundation of safety because it was taken from you with your last partner and with things that have happened in your life. So that makes total sense to me. And I think that's why probably the only person I let in to the extent that I do would be my therapist. Yeah. Even if it's just one person to start. Because I think that's how I have to build it. I have to literally build that one trusting person at a time. Yeah. Or trusted person. Yeah. And obviously the family's there too, but there's there's always different levels, right? Yeah. So it's just a process, I suppose. Yeah. And then this also ties in with Susan Cain's quote of, so how can you use that pain or how are you using that pain Mm -hmm. for your greatest purpose or for that sense of creativity and how we're using that pain and turning it into a gift. Mm-hmm. This is the part where I feel a little bit torn because my master's is going to be taken away from my ability to be creative, right. which is my writing. Yeah. And so I'm kind of aware of that. And it, I know that's going to be probably the most challenging part is it just not going to have the time, the energy, the capacity necessarily for that. So because I'll be doing academic writing. Right. In the short term, but of course... The big picture, long game of a master's degree is that it helps you create more of that for your life when you're finished, right? Yeah. Yeah. So in what other ways can you build in like space for that creativity while you're in your master's or? I don't know. (laughs) I got to just see how it goes. (laughs) I got got no plans. Got no plan. Just see how it goes. I just got to roll with the punches basically. Yeah. Yeah. But obviously, like you said, this this helps having an outlet, having... Mm -hmm. Hopefully it's speaking to someone. We're at the phase two, not that we're needing this, but that because it's a new norm or comfortability that like in the beginning, you're hearing about lots of things, people are connecting with you and and now it's just a given. Yeah. And so I forget that we potentially are having an impact even. 
Yeah, because we can't see our listeners. Uh, yeah. And they're listening, you're listening from the comfort of your own home or while you're going for a walk or yes. in the background while you're working or whatever. So anyways, we're here with you, but yes, we, we can't always see Yeah, we don't always know. Yeah. yeah. And and so it's, I guess, just trusting that yeah. it is benefiting or helping others in some way. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Something interesting, I, I think, too, that we've both been going through at a similar time is this idea of reparenting. Mm-hmm of kind of giving ourselves the things that we might have needed as kids or teens or whatever and not needing them from external people anymore. Mm-hmm. So I, just, I thought it was interesting that we were both kind of going through through that at similar times. And then Glennon Doyle on her podcast had also been talking about it with, mm-hmm. yeah, with her sister and partner. Yeah, and I think part of being just the age we are too, we're in this, this age as millennials now where our parents are aging and there's that very real... I don't know. There's, I guess, the reality of having aging parents and then you having kids too, right? Mm-hmm. So there's, you know, you, you'll have reminders from your own children and then with our parents aging and perhaps their needs shifting, our needs shifting. Yeah, it's just, there's more to look at, I suppose. Yeah. And I guess further to that, when like, I'm in a space where <laughs> I am not giving so much of myself to my profession that I actually yes. have enough time to be paying attention and true nurturing other relationships yes. and yes. so it's actually yeah yeah this is one of the very adaptive thing of any sort of addiction or striving or seeking is that you <laughs> don't have to stop and look yeah or pay attention to what's around you exactly yeah. yes and we, yeah. we all do that in different ways so you're not alone in that but no. yeah i think this ties in my brilliant friend robin had shared this article with me that's coming out in l magazine called what comes after ambition hustle culture is dead did women's drive go away or has it morphed into something new, something better? I think it's by Anne Friedman, but the work is so interesting. I'll read a little snippet. I know a few women who are fantasizing about fundraising a seed round or making partner, but most of my friends are running the numbers to figure out if they can afford to quit without another job lined up or go down to four days a week without taking a significant salary hit. They're applying for positions that don't require overtime so they can be more present for their children, their elderly parents, the causes they care about, and their own creative practice. Some are thoroughly burned out and want to work less for the sake of their own health. Still others spent much of the past two years collecting unemployment and found the experience more radicalizing than demoralizing. Yes, I'm ambitious, but climbing the corporate ladder doesn't interest me like it used to. A title, a bump in pay... It's just not satisfying anymore. What I need to feel successful and fulfilled is completely different. Am I doing something that brings satisfaction? Do I feel like I'm learning? Do I feel like I'm contributing? Do I feel like I'm connecting to other people? Do I have the flexibility in this new way we live and work? Am I given not only responsibility, but autonomy? Am I in the place that aligns with my values? The things that I'm looking for have changed. Mm -hmm. That for me so summarizes yeah. how I've been feeling and, and also I think a shift in how we're all feeling of like the sense of being able to almost redefine our lives a bit coming out of the pandemic and rebuilding them and how do, how do we want them to be mm-hmm. and who do we want to be? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And Chris and I were talking about, we had discussed that article earlier and I was just saying, I don't know how I feel because I never fully embrace the corporate culture like I was a part of it but I early on sensed that it wasn't either allowing me to be well or I wasn't sold by the 
external driving factors. Like I, I just couldn't buy into that. And so I was like, does that even, do I even count in that? Or does that even apply to me? Because I never fully bought into it to begin with. Yeah, I think it does. I think you're just a, a leader in that realm that you saw it perhaps before most and you knew that you couldn't protect your own wellness within that system. And so mm-hmm. you've been creating and building another way. I guess the other part of it is with the institution and realizing, I guess just how close I was to not being able to be a functioning member of society, that I settled that it's okay if I'm just sometimes being a member of society in a yes. sense that I'm not doing something. Like it was almost just like, thank God I'm alive and I have those moments. Yeah. And also you're... It's like that is what society needs because when you're just being, it means like you're paying attention to the little stray dog or cat that's wandering about or Mm -hmm. feeding the rabbits outside of (laughs) the grocery store. (laughs) That's another story we can share. Yes, that is. There's an overpopulation of rabbits and it's very stressful. (laughs) Somebody let domestic rabbits... Oh, probably after the pandemic, during the pandemic, who knows? And now there's a mass population of them. And I didn't see all of them. I went to get groceries and I just saw this cute little family of bunnies. And I was like, oh, that's strange. How are they surviving? They're living in concrete jungle. So I'm thinking I'm doing so good by buying some (laughs) lettuce for them and I'm feeding them. And then I go to feeling really good about myself, right? Like, oh, I just helped those little rabbits. And then I go to drive away and there's a thousand more (laughs) rabbits. It was very stressed. I had to call everyone in the family. Uh, Yeah. And then you got to see the rabbits, Krista and her family. There's a lot of rabbits and unfortunately they're not all going to survive. But, But my point is because of... What a beautiful, kind soul you are. And because you've built in a life that allows you to just be, means you're paying attention to things that most aren't even noticing. True. And I was so upset. Guess what? I was so upset about these (laughs) rabbits that literally my glasses lens popped out onto your foot. (laughs) And then Then you're driving like a pirate with only one. I had to hold my lens up to my eye because I'm too blind. And when you have one corrective lens in and not the other, people that have glasses understand. You cannot function. Oh, I was weeping. So, yes. Anyways, so, yes, this idea of ambition, because it didn't, like you said, it, there wasn't enough reward for those external validating things like a title or a yes. pay increase, whatever. You weren't driven by those things no. inherently. And so you're, like I said, you're, you're just leading the way. Mm-hmm. Where some of us, i.e. me, bought into that or found enough success in that or found enough, I don't know what the word is. Like there's been enough reward for yeah. me in that up until this phase of my life. And now I'm kind of questioning or redefining it. I think it's like similar to my observing and trying to connect with people or see that common and shared humanity mm-hmm. in others. It also has shifted what I viewed my purpose being um, as a change maker. So as somebody who's fighting for equity and as somebody who's fighting for humanity and people within cultures, work cultures. I also realized that my vision was flawed. So up until recently, my vision was like me at dusk, dressed like Mulan with like a sword drawn, like running full tilt at the glass ceiling. And then like literally like running into it and splattering like a bug. And then having a whole sort of village of people behind me also just hitting the wall and then collapsing. And then recently I had this vision in the morning and it was like very calm and serene. I was in a field 
it was sunrise and I was still dressed like Mulan or some kind of a warrior. But instead of me like forming a flying V formation and being the leader running into this glass ceiling, I looked over to my right and a strong female in my life linked on one arm and then somebody else linked on my left arm. And then I looked down and there was a whole chain of like a thousand, not just women, but like women and allies joining together and then walking very calmly forward. So I feel like that was a good visual representation of where I kind of feel like I'm at. It's like none mm-hmm. of us can create change on our own. None of us are going to just be like that hero in the story. Like the only way we create lasting change is if we're doing it together and we're including everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's actually a really nice place mm-hmm. to end it, I think. Do you? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that's it. You betweeners? Betweeners. Betweeners and users. <laughs> you are part of the chain. Whether we can see you, know you're there or not. Yes. So thank you're you for us. joining. And in the wise words of Vice President Kamala Harris, sometimes your ambition will lead you into rooms where you may be the only one who looks like you or who has who has your lived experiences. In these moments, when you are the first, know that we are all there with you, cheering you on. And remember, like my mother always told me, you may be the first to do many things. Make sure you're not the last. Hi, my name is Bodie. I hope you stay safe. Hi, my name is Gabe. I hope you have a great day. Audio production by Joel Vargasi at Lewis Studios.